It is wonderful to be back here at Northside Baptist Church. Uh, just a joy to be here, always is. Good spirit, just uh, love, to, love to be here and appreciate you asking me to come back out. Didn't know if you would after my last message, but uh, glad, I'm glad to be here today. Uh, and I do have a message today the Lord has been dealing with me on this week. And uh, hopefully tonight uh, there'll be a second part. You know, I'm, I'm bad about that. <laughs> I guess it's a good thing the Lord just directs us that way. But we're going to be taking our text out of the Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 15 this morning. Luke chapter 15. And I want to start out by reading the first two verses of that uh, chapter. And then I want to skip down to verse 11 and read 11 and 12. And then we'll pray and we'll get right in the message. So Luke chapter 15. Uh, verses 1 and 2 to begin with, and if you're able to stand, would you please stand for the reading of God's Word this morning? Luke chapter 15, starting with verse 1, and here the Bible says, Then drew near unto him all the publicans and sinners for to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes murmured, saying, This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. Now I want you to go over to verse 11. It says, And he said, A certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you so much for the reading of your word this morning. Lord, as we continue through this chapter, Lord, would you just guide us and direct us. Lord, open our hearts to receive your word. And God, you said your word would not be received unto you void. God, it would go out and accomplish that which you please us. And Lord, we know that's going to happen today. Not because of anything I've done, but God, what you can do. And Lord, we're just asking for you to work in the hearts and minds of each individual in this building today. God, those that may be listening this otherwise on online or, or later on god that you'll just do a mighty work in our hearts and we'll give you all the honor and the glory and the praise for it in jesus name we pray amen you can be seated the we usually call this the parable of the prodigal son that word prodigal is not in your bible uh, it may be in your headings it's been added in there as a heading but the, that word parable actually just means uh, wasteful and um, uh, excessive uh, kind of those thoughts behind it. It's a waste of excessive uh, person. And so that's who, who we call this young man, the prodigal son. Now, there are a lot of applications that you can get out of this, this parable about the prodigal son. In fact, it could be called the parable of the two sons. Or it could be called the parable of the loving, merciful father. There's so many applications there. And tonight, Lord willing, we'll look at that other brother. And we're going to find out that this has just as much to do with him as it does this young man. And so this parable, as we just read in the opening text, Jesus is speaking to a large group of people, publicans and sinners. And those are always brought out when you, when you think of those that are lost. Publicans and sinners, those are the ones that usually the Bible's referring to as lost. They're the lowest of the low. They're the scum of the earth. But then it mentions other people that are listening, those scribes, those Pharisees, those kinds of people, those religious leaders, and they were the ones murmuring against Jesus. They didn't like that he was hanging out with people. He wasn't particularly hanging out with them as we would think of today, but he was certainly eating among them and speaking among them and welcoming them around when he comes to, to teach and things. They didn't like that. They didn't think that any respectful Jew, especially a rabbi, should have anything to do with these disgusting, filthy, rotten sinners. 
And so Jesus is teaching them a very painful lesson here. And he begins by giving those parables of the lost coin and the lost sheep. And, and then he gets into this about this, this son. Now this is going to hit real home to these religious people because they're going to, they're not going to quite understand how in the world all this could be taking place because they had that Jewish mindset. They've been steeped and, and raised up in the law, and, and that's, that's all they can think of is that law. They can't, they can't even grasp the mercy of God or the love of God. That never comes up in a Pharisee or a Sadducee's mind. Love and mercy is never, ever there, but you're always going to find condemnation. You're going to find uh, 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 always talking about the law and doing this and doing that, and you're wrong and, and pointing the finger. And, of course, making themselves try to look good. That, that's one of their main goals in life. And so Jesus, speaking to all these people, he's talking about this, this young man who's, who comes to his father and wanting his, his inheritance. He wants it now. We're not told how old this young man is. We know he's at least over 13 years old because he, I mean, it's just, that's the way it worked out for a Hebrew. You were raised up to, up to 13 years old. You become a man, but he was probably older than that. We have no way of knowing. The Bible doesn't tell us this, but this, this young man would have been brought up a lot different than we were brought up, unless you're a Jew today. Uh, he'd have been brought up a lot different than, than Brother Byron of the Baptist faith. Uh, he was brought up studying the Torah up until he was 13 years old. He would have to study that thing and, and know all the laws and things surrounded, uh, that were surrounding all that. And he would have to, uh, recite those traditional Hebrew recitations and give the blessing of the Torah at his bar mitzvah and all this stuff, which would happen when he was 13. And so that is the age that most Hebrew males were considered uh, themselves, a man now. And so they had to observe all the religious traditions and, and all those things. And so here he is asking for his inheritance. Now, notice it didn't specifically say, I want everything that belongs to me. He said a portion for the portion of goods that falleth to me. In other words, he's not concerned about the land. He don't want the land, the farm, the animals. He doesn't want any of that stuff. He wants to liquidate it and get cash in hand. He wants to grab the money and go. That's all he's concerned about. He doesn't care if he has a place to come back to. He doesn't care if he inherits a portion to build a home on or anything like that. All he's interested in is getting that money in his hands. And that's a lot of people's interest today. That's all they care about is getting that money in their hands. And so that's what he comes to. He don't want the responsibilities. He wants to live footloose and fancy free. He wants to especially get out from the dominating thumb of his father. You see, that's the way a lot of young people are. I remember being that way at times, rebellious and, and thinking, well, I can't wait till I get out, out from under my dad. I can't wait to get out of my own. I'm going to do everything I ever wanted to do. You know, I'm, I'm not ever going to go to church again. <laughs> I'm not ever going to do any of these things he used to make me do. Oh, I, I'm never going to plant a garden, you know, and, and go out to, I did all those things. First thing I did when I moved out is do, did all those things. But I remember thinking that as a young man, thinking my dad just really don't know what's going on. He, he don't have a lot of sense. He don't understand the way things are these days. He's still stuck back in the past, back in the 50s and stuff. And so that's a lot, well, probably what this young man's thinking. No, dad, he don't have much sense. I'm going to go out and live it up. I mean, this life is short, and I need to go out there and experience things. Isn't that what a lot of young people think? they got to get out and experience things. 
Oh, what a hard lesson a lot of them learn. What a hard lesson. It didn't take me long after I moved out of the house at 18 years old, got married, and, and started renting a, a trailer and, and things with, with my wife. Uh, and, boy, we had it rough. I'd love to have went back home and sat under mom and dad's table and ate, ate a good meal and, and slept in a room that didn't have mice and rats and bugs in it. I, I, it was a hard lesson to learn once I got out from, from under dad's thumb. But here this young man, he says, Dad, I want everything that belongs to me. I want, I want to liquidate. I want all the cash. I want to go. i got to get out of this place. And so the father, he, he does it. Now, that, first of all, is going to really surprise these Jewish religious leaders when they hear that. And they're going to say, what? No. Why would he do that? Well, it wasn't really that uncommon for a father. Once he got to a certain age, he would go ahead and give the, the family farm over to his sons, and they would take care of it, and he would kind of go into retirement. Uh, in that case, these two sons should have stayed on there. The, the, the young man should have stayed and worked his part of the land, and, and the older one would have stayed and worked his. The older one is going to receive much more inheritance than the younger one. He's going to get a double portion being the older. And so that's typically how it would work. And so regardless, this young man's not interested in the farm. He, he, he just wants to get the money and go. And so verse 13, it says, And not many days after the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country, and there wasted his substance with riotous living. Now I want you to, to, uh, to pay particular attention back in verse 12 where it said, And he divided unto them his living. It didn't say him, it says them. So he gave both sons their inheritance at this time. The, the older one stayed here at the farm. He didn't liquidate any of the cash. He stayed. The younger one took it, the money and left. And so where did he go? It says a far country. The first place he wants to go is a place his dad would have never allowed him to be in. It's, it's not a place that he belonged in. But it's the first place he wanted to go is that place that's been forbidden. And that's what our evil, sinful hearts want to do. The first thing we want to do when we're looking at ourselves and being all self-centered and self-righteous, then we think we want to go do whatever it is that we're not supposed to do. Yeah? Well, I know Dad said I was never to go over there in that place, but that's the first place I'm going. I'll show him. And so that's what he does. He goes to a forbidden place, a far country. Let me tell you something. It doesn't, the country doesn't really have to be miles and miles and miles away to be a far country. It can be right next door. It can be the next place you go. That forbidden place that you go to is your far country that you do not belong in. You don't belong there, Christian. And so, have you ever been somewhere you don't belong? Where you know in your heart you don't, you don't belong here? I've been there. The job that I work in, when I first started there, the first 10 years, I had to work trade shows. And they would send me to Las Vegas several times a year. I'll never forget the first time I landed in Las Vegas. I couldn't believe it. it was, it's, it's like a different world. I stepped off the plane, and there were things on the walls that I'd never seen before. I walk out on the sidewalk. There's people out there doing things I've never seen people do before. There were Boxes set up on the sidewalks of things I'd never seen before. This was a far country. It was foreign to me. And I felt in my heart of hearts, I don't belong here. And the first thing I wanted to do was go to my hotel room and lock the door and stay in there until I just had to get out. 
All my, my other friends that I worked with, the other employees there, they were ready to go out and live it up on the town. They're going to go to the casinos. They want to go to all these places and live it up. I said, not me. I don't want anything to do with this place. And so you know when you don't belong somewhere. And it didn't have to be Las Vegas. It could have been right here in Knoxville, Tennessee. There's places here you don't belong in. You don't. And so he's gone to this far place, and it's a sinful place. It says, and there wasted his substance with riotous living. Notice that word riotous. It's only used one time in your Bible, and it means excessive, extravagant, wasteful living. And that's where we get that word prodigal from. That's why we call him the prodigal. And so what he does, he struts himself into this town, flashes his wad of cash, probably goes into the, one of the most sinful places you could think of to, to, you know, that dad would never have allowed him to go into. You know, I've heard about these places. I can hear the music in there. Boy, I want to go in there and see what's going on. So he goes into one of these places and he flashes his cash and he makes friends. He makes friends. But there's a problem. <laughs> he spent everything that he had. He's broke now. And he's no longer able to do the wine, women, and song. He's no longer to, uh, to treat his friends with everything that they want. You know, you know how people are very generous there when they got a lot of cash in their hand at the beginning. Very generous. So, you know, oh yeah, do this on me. You know, drinks on me, guys. I can see him now. But now all of his money's run out. And when his money ran out, all his friends ran out. They weren't his real friends. I want to tell you something today, Christian. The world is not your friend. Oh, but Brother Byron, the world sometimes treats me better than anybody in the church. Come on. The world hates you. And the minute you turn your back on the world, they'll stab you right in the back. They hate you, friends. This world is sinful. It's wicked. And they'll do everything in their power to destroy a Christian. Don't you ever think that the world's your friend. It's not. The, the world is an enemy to God. You don't belong in the world. Here he's wasted all his living. He, he don't have anything else. If this boy, I mean, he, he can't, he don't have anywhere to go. He, he don't have any money. What's he going to do? He's in this far country. He's not ready and willing to give it up yet, though. He's still got that thing in him that, that this is keep his pride his pride is still in him he don't want to go running back to dad you can guarantee that he's going to try to find a way to keep living it up right here in this place but what's he going to do and so easy come easy go my dad always says that money's burning a hole in your pocket ain't it boy every time i'd get some money i gotta go to the store i mean if, if it's nothing to buy but candy bars with it or something i'm gonna buy you know spend that money dad said that money's burning a hole in your pocket well, when this money ran out, all of his friends ran out. He's, he's an outcast. He's penniless. He's hungry. He's cold. And he's far from home because he's in a far country. And that is where sin will get you, friend. When you leave out from under the, 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 uh, what God has, has provided for you, when you get out from under what you've been taught, the good things, the Christian morals and values, and you start living it up in the world, well, everybody else is doing it. No, everybody else ain't doing it. You may think they are. It may look like they are, but not everybody's doing it. There's a lot of good people in this world. There's a lot of good Christians in this world. They're not doing it. Yeah, Brother Byron, you know, that's old-fashioned. We don't think that way anymore. 
Well, I do know the Bible's old-fashioned too. And I know the Bible says that God doesn't change. He's the same today, yesterday, and evermore. And if he's the same today as he was yesterday and back in the past, you can guarantee these things that people are saying are okay today, they ain't okay. God hates them. And so what happens? Here he, he don't have anywhere to go. And so, verse 15, he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country. And he sent him into his fields to feed swine. Look, this famine is hit. We, we left that out there when we, we were talking about it. Verse 14 said, and when he spent all, there arose a mighty famine in the land, and he began to want. So where it used to look like the grass was greener on the other side, the grass ain't greener anymore. Do you know there ain't hardly any grass in Las Vegas at most times? And in California, how many times I've been to California, it's nothing but brown. The grass ain't always greener on the other side, friends. It may look that way, but you get over there and you're going to find it ain't. And you'll be longing back for that home. That's what's happened here. It's, it's a famine. And verse 15, he joins himself to this man. He don't know this man from Adam. He just goes, whoever's going to give him a chance there. And it doesn't say that he, that he hired him, really, that he was giving him money. He says he's sent him out in the field to feed his swine. From what I understand from this, he's probably as pay as whatever he can get to eat as he's going out to feed these pigs. Now, listen, where are all of his drinking buddies now? We're all of his friends. Do you think maybe he, he went to those guys that he used to hang out with when he had the money and said, listen, guy, I am in a tough spot here. I don't have anywhere to go. I'm hungry. I, I need, and I can just see them right now. Who are you? <laughs> you know, go, get away from me. See, he's not going to have anybody to help him out. Nobody would help him. And so he finds somebody here eventually that allows him to go and feed his pigs. He's still determined to... Live it out here in this world where he don't belong. He knows he don't belong. At this point, he knows that. But yet, he's going to continue to try to live in that world. I want you to know today, when you get backslidden, you'll go out here in this world and you'll live like the world and you'll think you can get by with it. But your conscience will eat at you. Your heart will eat at you. If you're a Christian, it will. If you're not a Christian, it probably won't. And so that may, that may cause you want to reflect on, on what you truly have. If it doesn't bother you to mix and mingle and live in sin and filth of this world, then you're probably most likely not a Christian. This is eating at this boy, but he's going to continue because he's not ready to give up his pride and go home to dad. And so he hangs out here with this man from the citizen of that country, this far country where he don't belong. And it's, you know, sin is pleasurable for a season. He enjoyed himself there for a little while, didn't he? And that's the way sin is. And Satan will convince you of that. Oh, listen, that's the one that's going to be one of the greatest things. If you'll just do this, oh, it will. You just can't imagine how good your life's going to be now. You can't imagine how bad it's going to make your life. When you give in to sin and the pleasures of sin, oh, you may think it's enjoyable there for just a little while. That's about as long as it lasts. Because after that, it's going to come down on you hard. And I'm talking hard. And if you've ever had God kick your feet out from under you, you'll understand what I'm talking about. He'll kick that pride out from under you. You watch it. So he goes out to feed the swine, lowers himself to feed pigs. And for a Hebrew boy, that is as low as he can go. There's nothing lower. 
these Pharisees, Sadducees, all these religious nuts that are listening right now to Jesus telling this story, they're saying, oh my goodness, no, he went out to this place with pigs. (laughs) Swine were forbidden. The Hebrews couldn't even touch a carcass of a swine. They could not eat them, that's for sure. There's a lot of countries like that. Do you know it's still illegal to take a pig into Iran? You can't take one over there. You'll get arrested. It's illegal for them to raise pigs over in Iran. There's some restaurants I hear that are underground that, that sell swine, and they get a big price for it. And, and it's really something, a real treat for those people over there. But it's illegal. A lot of places it is. Pigs are unclean animals. The Lord gave the Hebrews a list of them. He was talking to Moses and Aaron one time, and he gave them a list of things that they could eat and things they couldn't eat. And they were kind of similar, but the ones that chewed the cud, which is like a cow, uh, they, they could eat those, those animals. Those were considered clean. Chewing the cud means that they, they eat the grass and the hay, and then they regurgitate it and chew on it again and swallow it back again. That's what that means. Uh, I was raised in the contrary, so I know all about these things. Uh, and speaking of that, I know all about pigs. And let me tell you, there is nothing redeeming about a pig. They have no redeeming qualities. There's nothing good about a pig except when they get made into sausage and ham and all those good things. I eat a pig every morning for breakfast. I eat sausage. They're the most wonderful thing that I can imagine. And I'm glad that I'm not a Jew. But listen, these pigs, I know something about them. I was raised up. My my grandpa raised pigs. My daddy raised pigs. I know how to wring their nose so they can't root underneath the fence. I know how to slaughter them. I know how to shoot them in the, in the forehead and bring them down. I know how to hang them up on a gambling stick and scrape the hair and bull them all. I've done it all. We've done it for years. And so I know all about these pigs. Let me tell you, you could go out, you could get a pig, you can wash him, clean him, put lipstick on that pig, and you know what he's going to do? He's going to go right back in that slop, in that mud, in that pen, and he's going to waller all in it. Next thing you know, there's going to be green flies swarming all around his tail and his hind end. It's just nasty. (laughs) Friends, it's nasty. I used to slop the hogs, and slop was what we collected all week long of scraps that we didn't eat. And we filled a five-gallon bucket with it, and I'd go up to feed the hogs. That's called slopping. They had a trough laying there. And we would go and dump that slop in that trough. And those pigs, well, they'd come running. And they'd stick that face down in there, and they'd just go, go, go. And they would eat and eat and eat and eat. They're nasty. <laughs> this, this boy has no business being around these pigs. He's been raised better. And listen, sin will cause you to go against the things that you know are morally wrong. Sin will do that to you. It will blind you. You'll get blinded by sin, and Satan is good at it. He'll throw stumbling blocks out there to make you stumble, and you'll start thinking that something, well, it's probably okay. You know? It's probably okay. And you'll start making that thing not look as bad as it really is until you accept it. That's what's going on in our country today. People are accepting things that they think, well, you know, that really doesn't seem that bad because I know this person who does that and this person does that. Well, this is not that bad. I don't think that's really a sin. Really, it shouldn't be anyway. And that's what's happening today in our country and sadly in our churches There's Christians today that are swallowing it, hook, line, and sinker. They're allowing sinful things into their life and trying to claim that they're good. And then they look at preachers that stand behind the pulpit and say, this is what God says, and they say, he's up there being mean. He's mean-spirited. He's preaching hate. Oh, no, 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 friend. 
He's preaching the Word of God. If the Word of God says it's an abomination, if the Word of God says it's sinful, then the Word of God is what's truth. It's the only truth. There's no truth in the world. There's no truth in the government. There's no truth out there apart from Jesus, apart from the Bible, from God's Word. Stop believing the garbage the world is trying to make you believe. Stick with God's Word. It will never lead you wrong. It's always true. And so, I had a little trivia jotted down here for you. Do you know that China has the most pigs of anybody in the whole world? they got over 400 million pigs over there. They like like a lot of pig. European nation is next. They've got something like, uh, I think, 17 million. I I wrote it down here. Well, they've got 151 million. And then the U.S. is number three with 77 million pigs. Keep them coming, swaggerties. So to this law-keeping Jew, it was sinful to even be around these pigs, let alone feed them. You could pretty much say he's broken every rule that he's ever been taught that his dad has gave him. And so he's as far away from his upbringing as he can possibly be. And that's what sin does. It will take you farther than you ever dreamed that you would ever go. And it will happen faster than you know. One minute, you're sitting on a church pew. You're praising the Lord. You're singing the Lord's songs. You're reading out of the Lord's words. You're listening to preaching and singing and all that. And the next thing you know, you've allowed yourself to get out there in that far country and you're living like the world. That's what's happened. Verse 16. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. What about his friends? Why didn't his friends come up and say, hey, buddy, I know you're hurting. Here's you some beef jerky. <laughs> no, 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 that didn't happen. Nobody gave unto him. Not even the man that was that was had him there at his farm feeding his pigs. If you want something to eat, friend, you get down there in that hog trough and eat with them hogs. That's what's going on here. And it says he would have filled his belly with the husk. The husk is the outer part of the pod. That, that part the pigs didn't even really eat. They ate the, the inside part that was busted open. He's willing to eat that garbage there. This is waste. This is something they would throw away. He said he would have, he would have fain filled his, his belly with these things because nobody would give it to him. Can you just see this? This young man far away from home in that far country, living in sin, done wasted all of his living. He has nowhere to go, no place to stay, no no food to eat. He don't have any money in his pocket. Nobody's going to help him, no friend in the world. And he looks down, he's feeding those pigs. And he says, man, I'm starving to death. i got to do something. Can you just see as he kneels down on that knee? And he pushes a hog aside and gets down there in that trough to get some of that hog food. That's how filthy you are when you got out in this world and you sin like this world sins. That's what you are. You're down in the hog trough walling around and eating that filth. You don't belong there. You don't have to be there. You've brought yourself there. Oh, this next part, though. (laughs) Look at it. Verse 17. And when he came to himself, he came to himself. You know what that means? 
all those memories, all those thoughts of what it was like back home. His realization of what he's done. No doubt he's probably at that hog trough fixing to take a big bite and all of a sudden it's just like a... How did I get here? God, how did I get in this condition? I used to live at home back with my dad who loves me. I used to have it all. We ate three meals a day. I never wanted for anything. Oh God, how did I get here? It's what sin will do to you. You'll be out there in it. And friend, you'll come to yourself. The Bible says when he came to himself, that's God. He's calling. He's saying, hey, hey. It's the Holy Spirit saying, hey, you don't belong in the hog trough. Remember what you got. And he said, how many hired servants of my father's have bread enough to spare and I perish with hunger. Listen, he's not even considering going back and being a son now at this point. He's thinking about even the servants are living better than me. The, the hired servants are living better than I'm living right now. Back at dad's. So he's getting to thinking here, you know what, verse 18. I will rise and go to my father. And I'll say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven. And before thee, notice he said, I've, I've sinned against heaven. Yeah, when you sin, you're sinning against God. And that's what he's saying right here. I've sinned against God. Not only have I sinned against God and done wrong, but I've sinned against you, Father. I've, I've done everything that you've told me not to do. I've done it. I've sinned, and I've sinned greatly. Look at it, verse, verse 19. I am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. Now, this is what he's thinking he's going to go and say to Dad while he's there starving to death. He says, I'm just going to go down to Dad. Yeah, is this what I'll do? I can see him moaning over in his head, probably still a little reluctant, thinking, you know, I've got to swallow my pride. I've got to, I've got to go back home and, you know, fess up what I've done. And I'm sure he's still a little reluctant, but he's going over in his head what he's going to say. He's practicing it. I'm just going to go to Dad, and I'm going to tell Dad, listen, I, I've sinned against God. I've sinned against you. I've, you know, I, I've done all this. And listen, if you'll just hire me on as a servant, I don't, I, I'm not worthy to be your son anymore. I've, I've made you look bad. And so if you'll just hire me on, and I can live out there in the barn with the other servants and, and work in the fields, that's all, all I'm asking. And so it doesn't quite look at this point that he's all that sorry for what he's done. But he is understanding he's being drawn back to where he belongs. Now, a lot of people look at the prodigal son parable as a lost sinner getting saved. But that's not the application here. This is a picture of someone that belonged. He was a son before he left. And he's a son while he's in the far country. And he'll be a son when he comes back home. This is a... Christian coming into repentance and coming back to God. It's God drawing those who belong to Him. And He looks over in that far country and He said, You belong to Me. He came to Himself. All these thoughts start going through His head and this is setting Him into motion. Listen, I know there's a lot of kids out there. 
that have left home. They're living out here in, the, in that country. They've been raised better. I've got an uncle. I love him to death. But he's got a son who is, who's lived out there in that far country. He was raised better. The son, is, is, as far as I know, is a Christian. He was raised better, but that son is so into drugs. He's done so many. I, I, I can't even say some of the things that that boy has done. And I've sat and talked with his dad, my uncle, and he sat there and said, Byron, he said, he's, he's about God made my wits in, but he's my son. He loves him. And he'll go every time. If he has to go to jail and bail him out, if he has to pay fines, if he has to do whatever it is, put him in a rehab, he does it every single time over and over and over and over. Now listen, God don't expect us to keep on sinning and sinning and sinning just so we can get his grace and mercy. But listen, he's the God of second chances. He really is. And when you do get out there and sin in that far country where you don't belong, you have a merciful Father who's waiting there, waiting and willing to accept you back in. Listen, what all has happened here, he's broken fellowship with his dad, okay? His dad, he he didn't lose his, his place in the family. He, he wasn't rejected as a son, but he broke fellowship. He don't have that closeness that he needs to have. So he, he's, he's going to go back. Look at verse 20. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. I could, his father saw him before he even got there. Oh, I, I love this part. This is my favorite part. I think about this all the time. Every day, I guarantee you, every day that father has gotten up with that son on his mind, knowing he is somewhere he don't belong, and all he wants him to do is come home. That's all he wants him to do. So every day, that father, I can see him. He goes over, and he's thinking, is this going to be the day I see my boy again? And he'll go over that door, and he'll open that door, and he'll be looking. He's looking over that horizon, <laughs> hoping to see that boy coming there. Day after day, the father stands there. You're still out there in that far country where you don't belong, but God's still standing there looking and waiting, and he's going like this and looking for you. Oh, and you keep turning your back. You keep falling away from him, but he's still standing there going like this. And then one day, that, that father... He gets up, maybe had him some breakfast, I don't know. And he goes up like he did every day. Now, the Bible doesn't say this. I'm not just what I'm thinking. As a father, I understand. He gets up on this one day, just like any other day. He goes over to that door and he opens it up. And he looks out. And he sees the head bobbing up and down. He can tell by the way this person is coming, how he walks. That that boy belongs to him. <laughs> I have a way I walk. My son walks the same way. My daddy walked the same way that I walk. I can tell from a hundred miles off who it is coming. This, this father looks out and he knows from a hundred miles away he sees that boy. That's his boy. And I can see him now. Woo! My son. <laughs> I can see him turn around looking in the house. My son is back. <laughs> and he takes off a running through there. <laughs> Oh gosh. And this boy, the boy, he's, he's just walking toward him. Here comes that dad 
running with all of his might. And wrapped them arms around him. And plants his face right in his neck. That old dirty neck. It's been down in the hog trough. That dirty neck. It's been in the far country. That dirty neck. It was out there where he didn't belong. And here comes that daddy. And he plants those lips on that dirty neck. And he says, I love you, boy. I love you. Welcome home. (laughs) I want you to know today, if you get out there in that world, and you mix and mingle and sin in this world. Oh, you're breaking your fellowship with God. But He's still there for you. The Lord is saying, come on home. I love you. And He'll plant them arms around you. And He'll bring you right back in there and restore that fellowship. That's all He wants to do. Oh, He loves you that much. He loves you that much. If you only understood how much He loves you. He loves you so much. He sent His only begotten Son here to die for you. Would you do that? Would you give up your children to die for this wicked world? I wouldn't do it. God did. Oh, friend, listen. He came and His Father father fell on His neck and kissed Him. Oh, the Bible says in Proverbs 22 and 6, Train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. Listen, I know that, like I said, there's a lot of kids out there still straying, lost in sin. A lot of prodigals out there. And you may think, well, how does that square up with what the Bible says? Listen, they always, if they're a Christian, if they've been raised up and they've been given instruction in the ways of God, they've always got that inside of them. It's always there, and I guarantee you, you may think they're out there and, and, and turn their back on God and religion. You don't know that at all. It's still there, and he's drawing them. And we're just praying one day that that prodigal comes home. But that will never depart from him. It will never depart. So when he's a great way off, the father comes, runs, takes him. Verse 21. And the son said unto him, Father... I've sinned against heaven and in thy sight and am no more worthy to be called thy son. He has to stop right. The father interrupts him. This is what he's been rehearsing. You know, the next part he's supposed to say, and if you'll just put me as one of the hired servants, that's the next part. He don't get to say it because in verse 22 it says, but the father said to his servants, bring forth the best robe right in the middle of the sentence. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father says... Bring him the best robe. What this represented was he was still his dear son. Nothing has changed. Boy, I know you've been out there in that far country. Nothing's changed. You're still my son. You are still worthy to be my son. Christian, listen to me today. You may think you've gone too far. I could, you may think things like I can never go back to that church. I couldn't, I couldn't even look, look at anybody in the face if I go back there because they all know what I've done. All friends, if they're a real Christian, they should have the grace and mercy that the Lord has. If you ever begrudge somebody for coming back to the Lord, you've got the problem. Don't ever be afraid to come back. Oh, He loves you. He's willing to accept you. But the father said to his servants, bring forth the best robe, not any robe, but the best, and put it on him. 
and put a ring on his hand. That means he belongs. He, he has status here in our home. And shoes on his feet. He's not like the servants have to go around here without any shoes. This boy is going to have shoes on his feet. He belongs. And bring hither the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat. And be merry for this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. Don't you just love this? <laughs> the son said, I'm not worthy to be your son. The father says, oh, oh, put the good robe on. Put the best robe on him. Put, put the ring on his finger. Put his shoes on. Go out there and kill that fatted calf that I've been waiting to do this with. You know, the best one. I've been, been holding him there. He's the best. Get him. And let's fix that thing up because this boy is home. I've been waiting for this for a long time and he's home now. And we're going to live it up. We're going to show him how much we love him. And so this faithful father, he not only forgives his son, but he completely restores him into his fellowship. You see, that's the way God works. He's faithful and just to forgive us for our sins and to, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. All it didn't say he's going to hold a little bit of it against us and, and bring it up at a later time in case we mess up again. It doesn't say that. See, that's not how God works. When he forgives you, he forgives you completely, never to be brought up again. The one that brings it up again is you and the devil. And unspiritual people, they bring things up. Don't be them. Don't be an unspiritual person. If somebody sins and you know about it, you don't have to go around talking about it. It ain't none of your business. You got no business talking about it. And so let me ask you something this morning. Are you, and I know it seems, seems strange, don't it, to ask people that I know come to every service and I see you every time I'm here. But listen, I don't know your heart. Or maybe you're dealing with someone that's like this prodigal son. Maybe somebody in your life could be a, a son or a daughter. Could be a grandchild. You grandparents, I'm not a grandparent yet, but I know you grandparents, you dote on those little grandchildren like they're the, I mean, you treat them better than you do your kids. <laughs> and you may have one of those that's out there in this world, that prodigal, and you're praying for them. Don't give up. Don't give up. You never know when they're going to come to themselves. Your prayers may be the very catalyst that begins that. Don't give up on them. But are you... Far from God. Do you know you can sit on a church pew and still be out of fellowship with the Lord? Don't think just because you came to this building and sat down today that you're in fellowship. How we get out of fellowship with the Lord because we live one way out there in the world and then we act another way when we come in the building. We get around Christians, we talk one way. We get around the world and our co-workers and those out there and we live and talk a different way. Somebody might come up to your friends and say, do you know they're Christian? Really? <laughs> Never said anything about it, couldn't tell. Is that you today? Are you the prodigal? Are you out there in that far country pretending you're still <laughs> in the one you belong in? You know, there's a straddle of the fence that people like to do. When I was about nine years old, I was following my papa, Chesney. Like I said, he raised hogs. He had a farm. He had cows and everything. He had electric fences. I followed after my papa, walked after him, tried to 
walk like he did. We came to an electric fence. He lifted his leg up, stepped over it, stepped back on this side, and kept walking. I thought, well, if he can do it, I can do it. I grabbed that metal pole. I picked my leg up. I was only about four foot tall. Slung it over and sat right down on that top electric fence. I had the ride of my life. I'll never forget that feeling as my soul left my body. <laughs> I'm just kidding. It sure felt like it. As I turned and looked at my papa and he was laughing, he said, I told you not to get over that fence like that. That can happen to you, friend. You think you can straddle the fence, but one day it's going to get a hold of you. And you're going to be in for the ride of your life. And you don't want to go on that ride. Just turn back to the Lord. Just tell him you're done with it. Father, please forgive me. God, you know what I've done. He's faithful and just to forgive you. Just ask him. So, Lord, please forgive me. You'll say forgiven. Forgiven. What about you this morning? Have you wandered far away from the Father? Are you living in the far country? If so, he's still standing there waiting with those outstretched arms, saying, come on, come unto me, all you that are labor and heavy laden, I'll give you rest. Put your yoke upon me and take mine upon you. Mine's light, my burden's light. He's willing. Are you today? Are you willing to turn from that wickedness? Are you willing to turn from that far country and come to the Father? As we have the invitation, go ahead, Brother Scott. If you need to come down to this altar and pray, I'd be glad to pray with you. If you want to pray alone, that's fine too.